A reading from the book What is the Gospel written by R.C. Sproul Chapter 2 Power to Save The affirmations of articles 2 and 3 of The Gospel of Jesus Christ an evangelical celebration are rooted and grounded in New Testament truth. Article 2 focuses on the need to look to God and His Gospel for effective power in our spiritual lives. Article 3 might cause us to pause and wonder where we can find the good news in its affirmation. Affirmation 2 reads, We affirm that the gospel is the saving power of a God, in that the gospel effects salvation to everyone who believes without distinction. Romans Chapter 1, verse 16. This efficacy of the gospel is by the power of a God Himself. 1 Corinthians 1 18. The corresponding denial reads We deny that the power of the gospel rests in the eloquence of the preacher, the technique of the evangelist, or the persuasion of rational argument. 1 Corinthians 1, 21. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. Paul writes, I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians, both to the wise and to the foolish. So I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of a God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jew first, and also to the Greek. Romans 1, 14 through 16. Here Paul is explaining the meaning and the content of this gospel. And in doing so, he says, it is the power of a God for salvation. This statement is so axiomatic to historic evan evangelical Christianity that we might wonder why it would be necessary to make an affirmation of this sort today. Why call attention to the obvious fact that the gospel is the power of a God for salvation? Why also must the denial in our statement repudiate 
the ideas that the saving power of God rests on the techniques of the evangelist or the eloquence of the preacher or the cleverness of a rational argument i think the reason such a statement is needed in our day is because we have become adept at studying marketing techniques instead of the word of god and because we often tend to rest of hopes on programs that we think will do the job of bringing people into a state of salvation we begin to think that the power of changing people's lives is found in our programs or in our methods and sometimes we become so intoxicated by our techniques that we fear the negative influence of a clear and bold presentation of the gospel luther warned that any time the gospel is proclaimed boldly and with clarity the result will be conflict it is that conflict that many people seek desperately to avoid at times we do everything we can to obscure the gospel because we are afraid that it's a power to introduce conflict into our church will be a negative influence on our congregation let me repeat at times we do everything we can do we can to obscure the gospel because we are afraid that it's a power to introduce a conflict into our church will be a negative influence on our congregation we focus on everything except the gospel forgetting that it is the gospel to which god has committed his power and the power of the holy spirit when paul says that the gospel is the power of god for salvation he is saying that it is in this message that a god has committed the resources of a heaven to bring about human redemption it is a god who empowers his gospel it is the gospel that the holy spirit accompanies and promises to use as a means to convict the world of a sin and of a righteousness and to quicken people to faith and eternal life let me repeat it is a god who empowers his gospel it is the gospel that the holy spirit accompanies and promises to use as a means to convict 
the world of a sin and of a righteousness and to quicken people to faith and eternal life if we pull the plug on that power and seek to substitute some of the human power we are missing the whole mission of the church we must be reminded again and again that if we want to see the powerful presence of a god and the holy spirit in our churches then we need to remember that the power is unleashed through the preaching of the gospel yes there will be conflict yes some will take offense but that's the price we pay for fidelity and for the power of a god to bring people to salvation the denial states that the gospel does not rest in the eloquence of the preacher there is no sin in eloquence and there is nothing wrong with the preachers seeking to improve their gifts seminary courses help train preachers in sound methods of public discourse and organizing content for their sermons but we do not trust in those matters of form and eloquence as the power supply for the efficacy of the gospel paul writes for the word of the cross is a folly to those who are perishing but to us who are being saved it is the power of god for it is written i will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning i will thwart where is the one who is wise where is the scribe where is the debater of this age has not god made foolish the wisdom of the world for a sense in the wisdom of a god the world did not know god through wisdom it pleased god through the folly of what we preach to save those who believe first corinthians 1 18 through 21 and later and i when i came to you brothers did not come proclaiming to you the testimony of a god with lofty speech or wisdom for i decided to know nothing among you except jesus christ and him crucified and i was with you in weakness and in fear and much 
trembling and my speech and my message were were not in plausible words of a wisdom but in demonstration of the spirit and of a power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men but in the power of god first corinthians chapter 2 1 through 5 paul hints that he may have had some impairment of his speech but if his epistles or any indication no one would ever accuse the apostle paul of being inarticulate in his writings at least paul is certainly eloquent paul manifests uncanny wisdom and the acumen of his mind and the force of his rational argument are compelling but paul didn't put his confidence in human abilities he was convinced that the power was not in his skill or in his technique but in god and the things that are considered wise by god are often regarded as a foolishness by this world so again what is denied here is not the value of eloquence or evangelistic techniques or rational argument but the power of these things to effect salvation in article 3 our focus shifts to the sinful state of the human condition affirmation 3 reads we affirm that the gospel diagnoses the universal human condition as one of a sinful rebellion against god which if unchanged will lead each person to eternal loss under god's condemnation let me repeat we affirm that the gospel diagnoses the universal human condition as one of a sinful rebellion against god which if unchanged will lead each person to eternal loss under god's condemnation the corresponding denial reads we deny any rejection of the fallenness of a human nature or any assertion of the natural goodness or divinity of the human race the gospel is good news it summarizes the person and the work of christ and tells us how we can receive the benefits of what Christ has done for us.
let me repeat the gospel is good news it summarizes the person and work of a christ and tells us how we can receive the benefits of what christ has done for us how can the announcement of the universal human condition of sinful rebellion before god be part of the good news and why would this document include such a statement to answer that question we can look to paul again in romans 1 paul introduces the gospel explains that the gospel is the power of god for salvation and speaks of the revelation of that gospel he later expounds on the content of the gospel but before he gets to that it seems as if he this he digresses into a discussion about the human condition of fallenness paul writes for the wrath of a god is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth romans 1:18 throughout romans 1 to 3 paul lays the groundwork for the need of the gospel the gospel is a remedy for the disease that has us in such ruin before any doctor can cure a disease he must first examine his patient and come up with a diagnosis the necessary presupposition for anyone to hear the gospel as a good news is to first understand the bad news to understand why we need the gospel in the first place historically protestant pastors and teachers have helped the people of the church understand our need for the gospel by pointing to and explaining the law of god until people understand the law and that we have broken the law and that we are therefore exposed to the judgment of a god there is no goodness to the news of the gospel many people today hear the gospel and say so what because they are dull to the precarious situation in which they find themselves as rebels before god at the heart of the gospel is the message of reconciliation one of the prerequisites 
for reconciliation is estrangement. People don't get excited about the gospel today because they don't believe that there is any real estrangement between themselves and God. But the scriptures, particularly Paul in Romans 2 and 3, teach that all human beings have rebelled against God. All have distorted his truth. As rebels in God's creation, we refuse to honor him as God or to be grateful. Romans chapter 1 verse 21 This is true of everyone. The whole world comes before the tribunal of a God as a guilty. None is righteous. Not one does good. And all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of a God. Romans 3, 10 through 12 and 23. Let me repeat Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12 and 23. Unless we understand that, we won't really understand the significance of the gospel. Let me repeat. Not one does good, and all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of a God. Unless we understand that, we won't really understand the significance of the gospel. Why is justification by faith alone so important? It is important because God is just and we aren't. The God who rules heaven and earth is a holy and righteous God who will judge us according to his perfect justice. And we are unjust. If God judges us according to his standard of justice, we will be eternally under his condemnation. Until we understand those things, the doctrine of justification seems insignificant. But if we understand that a God is a just, and we are not just, then the question of how an unjust person can be justified in the sight of a holy and just God becomes the most important question we will ever deal with. Romans chapter 3 verses 21 through 28. But if we understand that God is just and we are not just, then the question of how an unjust person can be justified in the sight of a holy and just God becomes the most important question we will ever deal with. And so, 
the denial of Article 3 says, we deny any rejection of the foulness of a human nature or any assertion of the present goodness or divinity of the human race. 55% of a professing evangelical respondents to the Ligonier State of a Theology survey agreed with a statement that while everyone sins a little, most people are good by nature. This view denies the reality of original sin and our need for a savior and it is terrifying. Anyone who believes this is resting on a house of a sand and is in serious danger of failing before the judgment seat of God. The Bible tells us that we are born in sin and subject to the righteous judgment of God. Ephesians chapter 2 verses 1 through 3. The Bible tells us that we are born in sin and subject to the righteous judgment of God. We are not good in ourselves and we cannot save ourselves. We need a savior. Because of our sin, we need the gospel. The chapter 2 ends here. Thank you. Have a great day.